They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling! This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, powered by ProWrestlingTees.com. Wrestling shirts are cool again, and you can check them out every single day on ProWrestlingTees.com. I, of course, am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Prime Time, the original Prime Time, John Paz. John, how are you, buddy? Hey, yo, doing pretty good, Chad. How you doing today, bud? Well, prime time, everybody's talking at me, but I can't hear a word they're saying because today on the show we have, formerly known as Camacho in the WWE, now known as Micah in TNA Wrestling, Haku's other son, Micah, joining us from uh, the faction The Rising. So, uh what are your thoughts on the uh, now second interview with uh, Haku's legendary family uh, and getting to know another one of his sons? Uh, it was awesome to get to talk to Mike after we just talked to uh, Tama Tonga. But it's uh, great to get a different perspective. Obviously, they both had two completely different career paths within the wrestling business. As you know, the Tama Tonga is obviously in the Bullet Club in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And... Micah is now in TNA, but before that he was in WWE and NXT and FCW. So two completely different paths, but great, great wrestling family. Yeah, what an amazing wrestling family. I mean, you we could have had both of them on for a uh, cumulative discussion just on, uh, you know, the stuff that they've heard slash seen in their, uh, their lives uh, growing up as uh, the sons of Haku. And what I did love was the fact that both of them had the identical story about telling each other about when they wanted to get into the business. Sometimes, you know, uh, stories change or things are, are skewed a little bit, but the two of them were totally, totally in sync. And, uh, but to talk about Micah specifically, he is now in The Rising, which is a new faction in Impact uh, Wrestling. Impact Wrestling Definitely in the news this week, uh, as we recorded this uh, the day before the big uh, Ring of Honor to Destination American News broke, um, we unfortunately didn't get a chance to talk to Micah about that, but we did get to talk to him about everything else that was happening in TNA Impact uh, before that, and um, he really gave us a great insight on uh, what the current status was of uh, TNA. Yeah, I guess. As we found out, none of the wrestlers really knew what was what was happening, and uh, obviously they weren't alerted that Ring of Honor would also be joining them on Wednesday night, June 3rd, on Destination America. Obviously, ROH will be on at 8, and then uh, TNA Impact Wrestling will be on at 9, but none of the guys knew that. 
but Micah gave a really good insight in TNA. I really liked uh, what he had to say about uh, his feud with the Beatdown Clan, um, his stuff on Homicide, on Kenny King, on Loki, on MVP. It was a good insight in the company and uh, some good stories about them. It's really good, uh, as you said, some good insight into the behind the scenes of TNA wrestling. Yeah, and you will hear uh, when uh, we get Micah's plugs in at the end, you know, when we talk about the switch to, um, you know, to Impact. It's just so funny that that was, you know, about 18 hours before the news broke. So Impact's changing to Wednesday night at 9, and, and that's a highly talked about move in itself. And then out of the, you know, friggin' blue, it seemingly came that Ring of Honor now will be on at 8. And it just uh, it's just adding more... Uh, just more questions and more intrigue into, uh, you know, the wrestling world. There was uh, some emails that were published today uh, between Vince Russo to Dixie Carter, you know, from a few years back and talking about, you know, opinions that TNA should have gone through. And it's just, it's unfortunate with the, with the kind of talent they have, especially a guy like Micah, that there's just still so many question marks and still so many just odd occurrences that happen within that company. Yeah, definitely. This is just another weird thing to happen to uh, TNA, but hopefully they keep on keeping on, and um, and hopefully Micah can keep keep on doing his thing down there. But um, the most interesting thing to me when we were talking to Micah that that came up was how his time in NXT was when he he was up as Camacho with WWE, then he goes back down to NXT. That was very interesting to me that how tight knit that group really is down there and how they were all pulling for each other and they all want to succeed and the camaraderie in that locker room at NXT. Uh, very good stories um, from Mike at, uh, about NXT. Yeah, totally. Those NXT guys from like you see this last crop, like these last three years, it's, it's funny that, you know, they're going to be that next group that, you know, in five to ten years they're going to have all the stories that are kind of like that. Uh, you know, Colt Cabana, you know, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, like that crew that has all the stories about FCW, OVW, you know, that transition, Deep South. So it's funny, uh, yeah, Micah was definitely, um, you know, very well experienced going back to NXT after being on the road. Oh, that's another, it's great stuff with Mystico and, and the Sin Cara feud mm-hmm. that just, you know, stopped before it started seemingly because of Sin Cara's injuries and it's just a great episode. He is a great guy. We can't stress to support both Micah and uh, the bad boy, Tomatonga. Please go back and listen to that episode. Two very, very great guys from a great family, and that's, uh, that's just about enough that I can say before I mention that on June 13th, the big Glenn Kelly Eternal Tranquility Benefit featuring the two-man power trip of wrestling as well as many WWE Legends, you can check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com, for more information. And you can also come and see former ECW champion Justin Credible, who will be appearing alongside of the two-man power trip of wrestling doing his thing. And it's going to be a ton of fun, but primetime, I will let you wrap it up and go home, as they say. Definitely go to prowrestlingtees.com for all your pro wrestling needs. As Chad said, they are making wrestling shirts cool again. Also, you can come visit us at our table at the big 613 show down there in Seaside with Glenn Kelly and Just Incredible. Should be one hell of a day. Also, two-man Power Trip of Wrestling is on YouTube. Please subscribe to us there. 
got a lot of good videos, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good stories from the boys and the biz. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave a review. Uh, we would really like to hear some of your feedback about the show. That would be excellent. Also, on Facebook, you can like the two-man power trip of wrestling there. Then, of course, Twitter, at WrestlingPal and at two-man power trip. There's always some good anecdotes on there and some good links to uh, some shows. So keep on that. That's some good stuff. Also, our website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. On there, you'll see... On the upper left-hand corner, you see an Amazon link. Please click on it. Do all your Amazon shopping through us. We got a little bit of a kickback. We would greatly appreciate it. So please do that. And now, without further ado, please enjoy a great episode with a man from a very legendary wrestling family. That is TNA's Micah. Joining us on the line tonight is a member of the TNA Impact Wrestling roster. Formerly known as Camacho in the WWE, he is now a part of the group known as The Rising, alongside Drew Galloway and Eli Drake. He is also the son of legendary wrestler Haku, and wrestling is pumping through his veins. He is Micah. Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Our sincerest pleasure. So, TNA and, and Impact Wrestling, it's been uh, quite quite the debut for you since you've joined the company. How has it been, and uh, what has your experience been like so far? Uh, it's been awesome. I can't lie about that. Uh, TNA has welcomed me, really, in with open arms, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity they've given me to uh, just be myself and... Uh, I don't have to uh, pretend to be Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you know, the, the debut promo uh, was quite spirited, and it really, in, you know, the five five or so minutes where you, you know, really got to shine yourself, it, it definitely, it seemed like it shed the uh, the image of Camacho almost instantly. What was it like for you to finally be able to release that aggression out in your own words and in front of a mass audience? Uh, it's, uh, oh man, uh, <laughs> to, to go back and, and relive it, uh, it was amazing. It was, uh, it was all real. Um, I remember, um, going out and, and Eli had said to me, what are you going to say? And I, I said, I have no idea. I, I just, I'm just going to wing it when we get there. And, uh, yeah. And sure enough, we, uh, Eli is a, a hell of a talker, so I knew uh, going out there, I, I needed to make sure I I represented myself well and set it up for him so he could uh, finish out for us. But um, uh, man, it was just awesome. It was uh, it was it was just great to to just just stand there and be able to talk, you know, and actually let my voice be heard instead of instead of standing there. Uh, usually, you know, with the Camacho character, I was very silent most of the time. So it was nice just to be heard. And it's, it's funny because, you know, the uh, the group, The Rising, kind of came uh, almost out of nowhere, it seemed, because 
you know, if you if you follow, you know, quote unquote, you know, the sheets and stuff, and you you read some of the results and who's coming in and who's backstage, it was not soon after uh, you left uh, WWE and NXT that you were, you know, backstage at Impact and you did the the one night only gut check. How soon after that were you approached about coming in and and the rising being put together? Um, probably about. Two weeks after, um, I did the gut check. I honestly, uh, I um, from what I understood, when I was coming uh, that day, we filmed gut check. Um, I honestly thought I was just gonna roll around and do like a tryout match. The next thing I know, we're doing an actual show, and I was like uh, taken back, but grateful for the opportunity to to do it. And then you know, I I came out, had a great time, and uh, I showed it through work and uh I know Tommy Junior had said uh had pulled me to the side and told me it was a great performance and uh he said, Don't be surprised if you get a call and then sure enough like I think a week or two after I got a call from Bob Ryder uh saying that DNA would like to uh bring me on as one of the uh TNA superstars and I was I was delighted. Uh I know I'm speaking, uh, using the word like delighted, um, but um, uh, it was awesome just to just to get a call from TNA to let me know that they wanted me to be part uh, of their family. And you definitely uh, you got in there at a very very interesting time because uh, with the news over the last couple of weeks that Billy Corgan has joined on board to be a uh, senior member of creative and definitely input, uh, you know, his very, very creative mind into the wrestling world. Uh, how's your experience been around Billy Corgan so far? And uh hate to use the pun, but uh, have you seen an impact already with his presence? Yeah, I definitely see uh, he loves wrestling. Um, Billy's, uh, he just, his mind is for wrestling. He loves it. Uh, he's all about it. And, uh, what's nice is that he's not—he doesn't have a wrestling background. You know, he's a—he is the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, there is no one else. It's him. So his creative genius is amazing. And uh, although we only had him for like four days, um, he's really engaged with a lot of us. And uh, there's a couple of storylines that he was really part of, and he just wanted to make sure he gave his full focus on a few of those storylines that uh, TNA has brought uh, to television. So uh, I'm looking forward to working one-on-one with him and just to hear uh, what he has in store for TNA as a whole. But uh, you can tell it's the TNA uh, roster is very excited to have him, and uh, we're all looking forward to working with him. Uh, I know, like I said, there's only like a couple uh, storylines and talent he was working with, mainly because it just – took up most of his uh, focus but now also in TNA you're feuding with the BDC the beatdown clan MVP Kenny King low-key homicide what's it like working with those guys do you enjoy working uh, with them Uh, definitely Uh, those guys uh, especially like Key and MVP MVP was with WWE at one time and and, uh, he's one of the upper uh, talents when uh, he was at WWE, he was getting a lot of uh, airtime. So he knows how things work, and it's always nice to talk to him and 
get insight on how things were and uh, how things are going and how to adjust and whatnot and adapt to uh, TNA right now. And Key is just a hell of a talent and uh, a mind for the for the game. So I love talking to Key and and understanding, you know, like how to stand out as an individual wrestler and how to make things work for everyone. You know, every everyone has their moment when it comes to uh, match time. And uh, Kenny King is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna, I was going to say uh, Kenny King. I know you guys uh, also had a brief feud there. I'm sorry, cut you off. Uh, no, uh, Kenny King is just deceivingly uh, for as tall as he is. He he works as if he could be a, uh, a luchador. He uh, he is deceiving as far as uh, his ability. Um, he is a local guy to uh, grew up in Orlando, so it's awesome to to share stories with him about growing up here in Orlando. And uh, and homicide, I knew from way back when. I got to work with him a little bit, but uh, right now um, he had torn something in his shoulder or his whole shoulder. Period. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to working more with homicide too. Yeah, homicide, great talent. I feel like injuries got to him you know, through his career, and it kind of slowed down yeah. his progress, for sure. Now, within TNA, it almost seems like, tell me if I'm wrong, though, it almost seems like they're letting you guys shoot more with the promos. Do you, you see that? Like, maybe go more of, like, a shoot style? Uh, well, yeah, like, what's nice is, like, um, we know what we're trying to get across, uh, what TNA wants us to get across, and uh, what's nice is we have a little liberty to to really allow ourselves to uh, get involved emotionally. Uh, I know oh, uh, MVP had quite a uh, promo uh, uh, during tapings, uh, and uh, it was awesome. Uh, it was one of those, uh, you had to catch it. You had to be paying attention to catch what he had said. But uh, uh, I love it. Uh, I love the opportunity for us to be as real as possible. Yeah, it was cool. It was actually, I did catch an N-word from him, which was, <laughs> like, uh, shocking. I'm like, did he just say what I think he said? But very, yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, with TNA and then WWE, do you see a major difference with the way that these promos are scripted? Was the WWE basically, I know you didn't cut a lot of promos in WWE, but from what you've seen, was it basically like they hand you exactly what to say, and then TNA was kind of like letting you speak off the cuff? Yeah, the, it's very structured uh, in WWE, and uh, I know a lot of time with uh, WWE, it's uh, you know Monday Night Raw is live, and then SmackDown. Although it's taped, you know there's moments where it is live, and um, they like to keep everything as live as possible, give that feel, and try to make sure everybody uh, keeps things rolling. So I feel like WWE keeps that structure so they can hit their, their marks, their times, and not allow, you know, uh, for things to run over. And um, the DNA, what's nice is we're taped most of the time, so uh, we have room to, you know, finagle some of the the uh, tapings, the pre-tapes, and try to get uh, more of a story involved and allow uh, our characters to really and shine in those moments where I have those pre-tapes. Uh, TNA, yeah, like, uh, it's just, it's just nice to, to allow us to really 
uh, dive into our characters and really allow them, allow our characters to be more of us and, and really, you know, like you said, off the cuff, just say what we feel. With the WWE, I mean, you obviously were there as Camacho. You said before, great line, you know, you don't have to pretend to be Mexican. So I kind of get the gist of where this question might be, uh, or what your answer might be to this question. But did you enjoy any of the time there as that character, or did you feel like that character was just thrown on you and, you know, you didn't really enjoy it? Well, you know, when uh, it was Triple H who had the idea for the character, and uh, I was all in, you know, when you're part of WWE and you're just trying to make it onto the main roster, I think I was uh, even saying yes to the character and really trying to jump into it. Uh, I grew up, or I grew up, I uh, attended college at University of Texas, El Paso. So I got most of the culture, especially in El Paso. El Paso is very uh, heavily populated with uh, the Mexican culture. So I felt like it really adapted to the character. And it was, it was a good time. Um, but then it just, I don't know. Uh, I think maybe I, I got complacent. And I was content with uh, the character instead of trying to evolve it or even trying to change it. We had the opportunity once I got to NXT to really change things, but things were just a little slow as far as, like, what exactly we were doing. Because all the time, um, Sin Cara, the original Sin Cara, they were having problems with him, and then they weren't sure if Funiko was going to be the new Sin Cara. So we had a lot of back and forth and holding periods about what we were going to do as far as Unico and Camacho uh, was going. Did you like the whole bike thing? You guys are coming out as bikes and, and you know, basically, you know, how the head you dress and everything. Did, did you like that at all? Uh, the bikes were nice. Uh, it was different. Uh, it was, the, the only thing is the damn handlebars on that bike, especially when we did live <laughs> events. Anytime we came down that ramp, right when we got the, to the bottom of that ramp and it went, you know, it just nicely plateaued, uh, as soon as we hit it, my handlebars would just go, and I would basically tip forward, and then Unico would just hold on, like basically post up on the middle of my back. So now I'm like bent over on those damn handlebars because they're touching the tire, the front tire now. <laughs> and it was like, it was always a sight to see. And then, especially at the live event, a lot of the you know, fans are sitting there right there, and they're on the other side of the aisle, so like, laughing but they're not and then I, a lot of the times I just took the bike and I threw it to the side uh, luckily it was light so <laughs> but uh, the bike uh, the only bike that was actually sturdy was the uh, the red one and uh, we used that most of the time for TV and uh, and pay-per-views so thank goodness no one ever had to see us bend the handlebars <laughs> Now you know it, it kind of it, it kind of raises the question that I know uh, the original Sinkar, aka Mystico, he definitely had almost like a snake bitten run from the start. That injuries really caught up to him, and I and I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Hunico also had an injury at one point. But do you feel that the 
constant injuries to Sincara, a guy who was the foil for Hunico and Camacho, do you feel like that might have cut the legs out of wherever you two were, were prone to go based off of, I guess, your programs with Mystico slash Sincara? Uh, you know what? It definitely uh, played a, a role. Um, like you guys know, he had uh, the original Sankara had quite a few injuries, significant injuries that just happened one after the other. If it wasn't uh, the knees and it was the hand or something else, and the poor guy was just plagued by injuries and it sucked. And so, like you said, it did hold us up, and there was opportunities for us to start something with uh, another talent on the roster. I know they try to get us to do something with Ted DiBiase, and then uh, then that came to a standstill. And creatively, Ted wanted something else, and uh, and we were just, you know, bouncing around, doing live events, uh, having tag matches with different people. Yeah, it seemed like Sankara just kept you know, with the original. He just kept getting yeah. hurt and hurt and hurt. And I feel like maybe the fans kind of just lost interest in him, and maybe a lot of the WWE fans in general might not know how good he was as Mystic, or even he seems like he's back on track now about how good he is. But I feel like a lot of people underestimated uh, Hunico as well, and I think you guys were good tag team, two good workers. Do you like uh, Hunico? Did you like the pairing with him? Uh, yeah, Hunico is uh, amazing and ridiculously strong. Uh, great guy. Hilarious. And, uh, um, it's awesome about Unico. It's just uh, he has an amateur wrestling background, and so it, it was always great to just be in the ring with him and uh, learn from him. Uh, he is, uh, besides the uh, amateur background, he also has the lucha background, and I learned a lot about base being a, a good base for uh, a lot of lucha style wrestlers and uh and he's a hell of a base too. He was able to show me things and then he could catch me, which was amazing. And he taught me a few things and uh he would be a, an awesome base for me and then we would do just blue style uh, moves on each other and and uh, and I was only surprised by how uh, talented and strong he was and I always appreciated him taking the time to just show me uh, Belucha style on the off time when we were traveling. Uh, whenever he had ring time, you know, right before live events. But, uh, yeah, Uni, uh, funny guy sometimes. <laughs> he has a running joke. He has this running joke where he always does, uh, it's like, uh, what I always call it, the head spin, where he always say, he would go, hey. I was like, he would just say hey to anybody as they're walking by. And as, if they always turn, he'd just look to the next person next to him, and he would start talking to them. And everybody, <laughs> you could ask anybody on the WWE roster. It got annoying, but it was still funny at times. But a lot of us always wanted to slap Looney for that. <laughs> That's great. Now, your style in particular, obviously you're not Mexican. Obviously, we know the the, the lineage of your family. For someone that didn't know, like, how would you describe your style in ring? Um, you know, my style in ring is just, I like to do a lot of things. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to ever 
not try anything in the ring. But uh, I like to stay on the ground if I can. But as of late, for some reason, I'm diving off the top rope onto guys onto the floor, which is uh, <laughs> different from the Camacho character, but it's nice. Uh, if anything, it's just I try to mimic uh, or emulate uh, my father's work. Uh, but he was more a martial arts style, uh, you know, with the King Haku and the Haku and the main character. But I just, I, I always want to make sure I, with Micah right now is to be able to be able to stand on my own two feet and and hold myself together in the ring and really just stand strong and uh, and still be. Elusive and still have mobility, and uh, I, don't know, I, I don't know if I can really just use one term for it. maybe just a, athletic uh, style of wrestling. I just uh, I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't know how to really just sum it up in one word. All right, gotcha. Now you had a lot of t- uh, you were talking about before. You said you had a lot of uh, random you know tag matches uh, against primetime players against uh, Matadors. I mean, you've, I believe they had a pay-per-view match against Truth and Kofi. Yep. But what was your favorite team to work with in the WWE? Was it the Usos, maybe? Uh, yeah, always love Usos, just because uh, uh, John and Josh, uh, when you're following you in, in the wrestling business, you're damn near family. Yeah. Uh, so, always being able to work with them and they're very creative and uh, hang out with them and outside of work is awesome and then to work with them in the ring is just an amazing thing. Uh, they're amazing talents and of course being the sons of Rikishi, you know, having uh, uh, being like generation wrestlers it's a, it's a blessing and uh uh, just to work with family, you know, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say, like, the best team I think I always enjoyed re- working with is anyone who is tagged with Tyson Kidd. <laughs> yeah, you had Tyson a lot of Kidd matches probably. with uh, Sin Cara, right? Sin Cara and Tyson Kidd? Yeah, Sin Cara and Tyson Kidd. And then uh, we did a European tour where we uh, wrestled Tyson Kidd and uh, Mr. Regal. And... Uh, that was a hell of a hell of a time, great time with him. But I think Tyson Kidd is an amazing, amazing, amazing wrestler, and uh, I I always appreciated working with him as well because he taught me a lot, and uh, <laughs> he loves wrestling. And I know when we talked about working our matches, you he would say like a certain spot, and you would see his eyes light up, and he'd be like, "Oh no no no, I got this great idea! No 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 no!" And I just it always just got me excited too like uh that guy is just pure genius uh pure talent he is wrestling Tyson Kidd is yeah that's uh that's a great uh great synopsis of him right there and he uh he main invented that takeover special for NXT that you were a part of uh the first takeover special on the WWE network which I gotta say I think a lot of people uh, overlooked the fact that, you know, you were really the first name to come out on there if you were a familiar WWE fan rather than an NXT fan. 
Could you tell us a little bit about the atmosphere that day and what it was like as they prepared for that first big spotlighted live NXT television show on the WWE Network? Oh, it was an amazing feeling. Uh, have you guys ever been to the NXT taping? No. No. Oh, uh, let me tell you uh, where are we filming at or where we, I was part of. Uh, WWE Films NXT at a place called Full Sail University. And they have a studio uh, where they film it in. And, um, it is a very intimate uh, arena. It's uh, Some people would describe it as the old school ECW when they would have smaller venues, but they would pack it. You know, it would be packed with just fans, pure fans, you know. And, uh, and I know the roster, when we were talking about it, they were legit excited to have you know, their own pay-per-view, something that they can say that was theirs. You know, it wasn't the main roster. It wasn't, you know, a Raw or SmackDown group. It was going to be the NXT roster. And uh, even the coaching, you know, the staff for NXT, they were getting everyone pumped. They were excited. Um, and Triple H, of course, you know, having full, you know, uh, uh, a full hand or What's the word I'm looking for? Um, just having, uh, just like his really his stamp creating NXT. Yeah, he is he is an amazing person for creating NXT and having uh, being in charge of that whole thing. And uh, I know he was pumped. And uh, I remember a month out before NXT takeover, he was he was excited and um, Full Sail was excited. Because it was an opportunity for uh, the university be, to be part of something uh, live, you know. And, uh, you know, they have a lot of students who work alongside uh, WWE's own production uh, crew. So the atmosphere was just awesome. And uh, our fans, or the fans of NXT, they were awesome. It was just a, a really great night. And uh, what was even better was that. Uh, the taping the next day, we still, you know, blew the roof off the building. Still great matches, still great taping, still great fans. It was a, a amazing, amazing time, especially for that first pay per view. Yeah, it was such a uh, such a massive response. You know, the uh, the the internet wrestling crowd, so to speak, uh, really took to that uh, that special, and uh, I think you could see the change of the culture. In terms of the uh, the wrestling that people are are perceiving from those smaller venues, which now you know you where, where you debuted in TNA was kind of in a similar vein, where uh, you know it was a uh, a house where you know I think was it now were you in Orlando for the actual debut? The actual debut for TNA for TNA, yeah. Was uh wait wait. Was your debut for TNA in or was that in Orlando? Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, uh, forgive me. So yeah, yes. so so mm-hmm. debuting then in the Impact Zone, which has a similar, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say a similar feel because obviously I've actually never been to that building. I know my partner has, but um, talk about how you can compare the two atmospheres with the the closeness to the fans and that uh, that audience. Uh, being you know more part of the show than uh, a normal larger arena would be. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, the uh, the Universal Studios, uh, the, the soundstage we use there is uh, maybe, it's not as small as the NXT venue at Full Sail. It's a little bit bigger. What's awesome about that is uh, this is the same intimate uh, atmosphere. People are right there. You know, they're right there. Uh, they're, the bleachers were... Uh, where you would think it would be quote unquote nosebleed, it's not nosebleed. I mean, it's still right there by the ring, and uh, everyone. Um, there was that moment we, the rising, we were in the stands and we came out of there, and I know uh, we hadn't debuted yet, so a lot of people were looking at us and they're like, uh, you know, a lot of the smarter fans, they were looking at me and they're like, hey, you're Camacho, right? I was like. I uh, used to be, so I'm trying to stay uh, hidden within the the audience and uh, keep it real cool before we, you know, did our run-in uh, with Drew against BDC. So, like, just to be able to be right there and interact with the crowd uh, so close, and they, they appreciate it. They love it. Um, I know when we when I started with the Rising and we first started taping. Um, a lot of the talent there were talking about how uh, well, uh, the audience, the fans, they were there every night for tapings. That was four days in a row. And every night we had a great crowd, and they were part of it, and they stayed from beginning to end and still very amped, and uh, and it was awesome. It was uh, close to, uh, if not better, than what we uh, did at NXT. As we start to wind down here, one thing I had to mention about NXT was the ESPN special that they put out, the E60 special. I don't know if you saw yeah. that or not. Um, it was very good, and obviously a lot of that was filmed during the time that you were there, and one of the main uh, one of the main guys that was um, basically featured was Adam Rose, and he was a, a feud of yours at the time. Did you enjoy that special, and did you like feuding with Adam Rose? Uh, I only saw pieces of special and then the second thing Adam Rose loved it uh we we were there when uh he started uh building the character and uh I know he had um some second thoughts about the character and how uh in in which direction it was going to go but um I don't know if he'll tell you but we as the NXT roster supported that character and we pushed it uh every time his music came on uh that whole building the that pc we would all stop what we were doing and we would dance we would dance legit throughout <laughs> the pc uh in the weight room in the actual uh <laughs> where the rings are um uh, billy gunn which i appreciated too he loved it and he would he would be like I think pretty much the leader of it. He would even have a stop uh, warming up, and he'd say, "I think Adam's music's gonna come on." And sure enough, once they did, he started dancing, and then there you go. The whole building would just start going, and uh, and I think because of that, Adam was able to just really uh, adopt that character and really become part of it because he knew he had the support of the NXT roster. And then once he debuted it, you know, I, I, 
the NXT, uh, the NXT fans really just enjoyed every moment of it, and they loved it. Now, if I could rewind a little bit here, one thing we didn't get into too much. Um, we're probably about the same age, uh, 32 going on 33, and growing up in the 80s, I was a big fan of Haku, your dad, awesome wrestler, one of the Thank toughest you. guys ever. <laughs> now, when you started to get in the business, um, obviously you were a good football player first at, at UTEP, but did he push you into getting to the business at all? No, uh, not at all. Um, uh, they didn't want this for us. Uh, I still, I still think our mom doesn't want this for us. Uh, <laughs> she, um, she, being you know, a wife of a wrestler, she's seen the ups and downs, and because of who our dad was and and the stories that people tell, uh, I know she didn't want us to to grow up to be him. That's her biggest fear, and uh, I think she still thinks we're going to grow up to be. Um, blueprints just like him but uh, so far we're good uh, none of us have gotten in any trouble but uh, uh, <laughs> our dad he um, he was against it too from the get go uh, if you ask I don't know if you talked to my brother uh, Tama yes but it was like in the summer of 2004 it was like in the middle of the night and I called him and I told him I said I told him and I said uh, to him we're going to be professional wrestlers, and uh, when we get home, start training. And I think at first he was taken back by what I said, and then he said in return, promise? And I said, I promise. And he said, all right. And then that was it. Because at that time he was part of the Air Force. He was in Nob Noster, Missouri. And, uh, and I know he wasn't – I think he was preparing to – make his exit out of the Air Force. So I think he was wondering what he was going to do next. And uh, when I presented that to him, he was he was gung-ho. I know he was. And now he's part of the Bullet Club and having great success with those guys. It was awesome to talk to your brother. Very humble for being a guy that's in the Bullet Club. i got to be honest, we were a little taken back by that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so am I, now that you say that. But uh, uh, if you get to know him and you get to hang out and have a few brews with him, you'll see the bad boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's very different than the bad boy Bullet Club character, for sure. Now, one thing yeah, that we uh, asked him... Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, 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 sorry. I was say, go ahead and ask the... What was the question you asked him? Oh, I was going to say, we, we asked him, how did you survive uh, any beatings from the toughest wrestler of all time, Haku? Uh, huh. One, uh, I think he's laid a hand on me twice in my entire life. And then uh, our mom took care of the punishment. And uh, she's she's tough. She's tough. Uh, <laughs> but uh, our dad, I, I'll tell you a story. Uh well, the first time he ever put a hand on me, it was actually like I had thrown, he had just bought uh, my mom's brother, our uncle, a Walkman. And uh, it was like in the early 80s. So it was like, you know, a Walkman was pretty, you know, expensive at that time. And uh, my sister and I were fighting over it. And then I took it and I threw it 
And uh, my uncle was like, oh, no, don't do that. And my dad saw it, and he was very pissed because he had bought that for him. And he's like, hey, pulled me over. And then just, he basically took my hand into his hand, and at that time, my hand was probably like, it could fit his thumb. My hand was like probably the size of his thumb. And uh, he just <laughs> took his his other hand and just basically like slapped my hand into his other hand, and it was was like Hulk smash sort of like slap. It was <laughs> incredible, and uh, no lie, I legit pissed my my pants right there. And uh, <laughs> he felt bad, but I think he made his point because the next time he laid a hand on me was when I was like sixteen or seventeen, and uh, being a teenager, you know. He, you're gonna say some some uh, some bullshit, and your parents are gonna say, "All right, you want to be a grown man? All right." So, yeah, I had said something, and he stood up and he said, "Okay," and I thought he was just gonna walk by me, but sure enough, he didn't, and uh, <laughs> he popped me good right underneath my chin, caught me, and you know, when you're a teenager, I think you're pretty much just full of testosterone, I think, and you you get heated real quick. The next thing I know, I had uh, ran him. I just tackled him right into our pantry and broke the pantry door. And uh, my head was down, and, of course, he knows how to fight. I'm 16. I'm just a dummy. So <laughs> uh, he basically got me uh, on a front face lock, and he sort of just... Uh, backs me up enough to where he just cracks a nice punch in the back of my head. Thank God we're Polynesian and we have hard heads because he hung my bell. And, uh, and I backed and, uh Tama, he saw that and he grabbed me and we were about to, well, we ran out of the house and he was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And next thing you know, like uh, our mom's yelling at us to get back in the house. And I was just sitting there just a little, like, seeing stars a little bit because I just got punched in the back of the head. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was uh, hilarious. It was a good time you know, looking back on it. But uh, I'm I'm pretty sure our dad is the Chuck Norris of pro wrestling because I've heard so many stories that, you know, you just don't know what's true. You don't know what's fact or fiction. So uh, if you guys you ever do an interview, you should uh, ask some of those stories and whether or not they're true. <laughs> we definitely hope to, and uh, we definitely will, because uh, I, I told Tom of this, too. I said, uh, Jake Snake said that if your dad was 300 feet away and he had a shotgun, he wouldn't even shoot your dad in case that he only just wounded him. He would just end up shooting himself. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I remember... Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Jimmy Kimmel show with The Rock on there, but uh, he had told a story about our dad and biting some guy's nose off. And I don't know if that's <laughs> true, you know? Like, uh, So, I mean, it seems like a Chuck Norris deal. I can't imagine someone biting another man's nose off and spitting it <clears throat> across the room, but... That that seems to be the go-to though. That everybody kind of see. That's where you're you're exactly right. And what is there to believe and what's not to believe? Because that's the go-to that like, you know, you're seeing guys who uh, I'm not saying the Rock obviously. I'm saying just you know some of the uh, the guys from his era 
saying you're like, I don't even know if you would have been privy to that in the same company at the time. It may be word travel, but that's almost one of the top urban legends. Yeah, that and like some eye popping out, some thing pulling out somebody else's eye. Like, there's a lot of story. And uh, I look forward to him one day sitting down and, uh, you know, telling his story in a book maybe one day. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would love to hear it. Now, Definitely. stepping back in, away from Haku and away from your dad for a minute and, and just getting back to you, very curious. I always ask this of the wrestlers because I'm very curious of what they say. I mean, obviously, I, I would sometimes have a different opinion, but I'm always curious. What would you say was your favorite match or maybe matches that you've had? Uh, huh. You know, one match I had it was a pretty good match, which I loved was uh, I had a match with Ryback. I think it was on pay-per-view, too. Uh, I think it was over the limit or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I had a match, and we actually uh, we actually let uh, let each other have it. Um, I know I, I popped him in the eye real good, and then he came out. I think I'm... Monday Night Raw with this left bloody eye. Uh, but I think because it's Ryback, uh, if you know him outside of work, he uh great guy uh, and a uh, hell of a, a positive person. And uh, he's a go-getter, definitely. And uh, just the size and mass of that guy and to wrestle him and, and to do that match was pretty awesome just because uh, I think because like, I took a beating, but I was fine, you know? <laughs> yep. And uh, and it's right back. Like, I think it's just because it's him. Uh, and that was a singles match that I enjoyed very much. But I think I've enjoyed it almost every match, really. But if any if there's any match that I always enjoyed was uh, with the Usos and Tyson Kidd. I know we mentioned that earlier, but those guys are just those guys are just amazing when it, when it comes to in ring work. And would you have a possible dream match, like a guy that you haven't wrestled that you would love to wrestle? Uh, yeah, I would love because uh, I think he can still do it. Uh, he's had a few matches, but I would love to wrestle that guy. There are things that, um, not like pent up aggression or anything, but there are some things that uh, I know he can still do, and I'm still pretty young and sturdy. But I, uh, I'm pretty sure I could still, or I could take him, and I know he probably still thinks he can take me. But uh, I would just love to be in the ring with him, because if you guys ever have the opportunity to like be in the ring with him or, or train with him, he. Uh, he gets just excited as Tyson Kidd. He's very uh, passionate about wrestling, and he loves being in the ring. Um, when he talks, when he tries to you know, explain something, um, a certain move, or a certain way of uh, uh, addressing your opponent or taking on your opponent, it's hard for him to really tell you to, uh, verbally to, to tell you how to do things. So instead, he'll actually do it. He'll actually put you in a move and try to explain to you how things work. And uh but he he's 
he'll even tell you, like, uh, what you do at practice is what you do in the ring. So when he is in practice, so to speak, he is full tilt, balls to the wall. So uh, to have a match with him would be great. Now, I don't know if this could ever come true or not, but have you uh, ever thought about uh, teaming back up with your brother and maybe headed to Japan? Oh, we have talked about it as a as a family. I would love uh, to work with my brother. Uh, I know when we first started, we had uh, our little tag team uh, over with uh, with Afa, uh, the Wild Samoan School, and uh, we had a, we did actually tag in Puerto Rico for a match uh, for Carlos Colon, and uh, I think that was it. I think it was like one of our like our six tag matches we ever had together. Uh, but if we were able to, what's nice is that TNA allows me to work for independent shows and New Japan allows my brother to do the same. So uh, it would be uh, an absolute uh, blessing if we were able to tag up again and work the indie scenes together as a tag team. That would be great uh, to see you guys together and, Maybe even get you in the Bullet Club if if that's a possibility. I don't know, man. I don't know. That Bullet Club is getting kind of like big these days. They have a lot of members. I don't know if I want to. They got everybody in that damn Bullet Club. I'll use the the corny line I I said with your brother, too, and it was uh, you could reform the Dungeon of Doom and you can feud with the Bullet Club like uh, the Dungeon of Doom NWO uh, with your father. So. as we as we end here, I'd just like to ask, where do you see yourself in five years within the business? Uh, in five years, um, my goal definitely is to be part of uh, the biggest wrestling organization possible. Um, uh, I'm trying to help TNA get to where they want to be. Uh, and if uh, the opportunity arises again to be part of WWE. I, I'm definitely gonna do that. But the ultimate goal, I think, and we just talked about it just now, is to work with my brother uh, on a, on a bigger stage. Uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, I have a bottle. Uh, it's called Cask Number no. 16. It's made by, uh, well, it was made by Crown Royal, and. Uh, that bottle is not going to be open until my brother and I are, are uh, headlining WrestleMania. So in five years, uh, between now and five years from now, um, I'm hoping to pop in that bottle open with my brother and uh, sipping on some good old cask number 16 because they don't make that anymore. So that bottle is going to be uh, very tasty by the time we get to WrestleMania. Nice, very nice. Well said. And just please share with the audience where they can find everything they need to find about Micah, who you can see on TNA Impact Wrestling, which is now moving to Wednesday night. Yes, June 3rd. We start, uh, yeah, June 3rd, 9 o'clock. TNA will be on Destination America. Uh, um, Yeah, Impact will be June 3rd, Wednesdays, from that point on. And then, of course, we have Slammiversary coming uh, June 28th, I believe. Uh, and, yeah, uh, we have tapings from the 24th to August 1st. or Sorry, 20, June 24th to 
uh, July 1st, right? Yeah. And then, but um, actually, this weekend, I guess, uh, my brother and I are actually traveling to Gastonia, North Carolina. Uh, we're going to be working uh, over at the National Guard Armory in Gastonia, North Carolina, uh, for Wrestle America. Uh, if you want tickets for that, just go to WrestleAmerica.com. And you can follow me on Twitter, DMicaTNA. Uh, and on Instagram, it's uh, at MicaTNA, too, as well. Uh, and if you spell Micah on TNA, or yeah, if you, on social media, Micah is spelled M-I-C-A-H. Uh, and on TNA, it's M-I-C-A. Uh, trust me, it's weird, because TNA told me to spell it M-I-C-A-H for social media, and then come to find out on TV, they spell it M-I-C-A. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm running with M-I-C-A-H right now. So, yes, <laughs> on social media, it's uh, Micah, M-I-C-A-H, T-N-A. So, awesome. Yeah, that's what it is. Well, th- well, thanks a lot, man. This has been, uh, it's been a ton of fun, and uh, we appreciate you uh taking the time and uh we really you know we 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 like to say it to you know the guests that we really enjoy having we would love to have you back because uh i have a feeling you'll be doing a lot more that will be will be in the news so i i appreciate your time tonight no gentlemen thank you and uh yeah right this is the first of many and uh you know in those five years we just talked about uh i hope you guys get to sit down and have some of that cast number 16 with us so, <laughs> All right, nice. <laughs> there we yeah. go.